Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liba, and producer Elvin Freites bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. We explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now let's get to it. Guys, this is Joe just popping in to ask if you've signed up for your free marketing consultation with MDT Marketing yet. If you haven't, head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information, get your free consultation today. Don't do it alone. Find the right partner. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds in higher education and beyond. This is Dr. Joe Salustio. Before we get started with today's episode, I would ask you all to check out our website at www.edupexperience.com. Every single episode we have done is at and on our website for you to look through. We actually categorized everything. So if you're interested in ed tech, you can check out ed tech. If you're interested in community colleges, you can check out the community college episodes. Of course, please subscribe if you're uh, a supporter of our work here at the EdUp Experience. And please, please, please rate and review our podcast on Apple. We have some rate and review goals we're trying to achieve this year. So any uh, support that you offer will be greatly appreciated. I'm very excited to introduce our guest here today. He is on the line right now, and his name is Dr. John Bauer, and he's president at East Central College, which is in the greater uh, St. Louis area. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing very well. Thank you. And how are you? Oh, you know, another day in paradise here in my bedroom where I've spent the last year or so, almost going on a year, um, work, sleep here, work here. Uh, and, uh, you know, as we were talking before we started here, John, you get to go into an office every day, and I got to say, I am jealous. So <laughs> that's all I could say. But, you know, it's interesting. We're about to roll the odometer over here on a year. It's hard to believe that, really. And uh, yet, uh, at the same time, I... I think we're eager to get on the other side of it all. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a different work environment than we've all been accustomed to. And uh, it will be a little bit strange, I guess, going back to a more normal environment whenever that day comes. Can you imagine that day when it, you just end up going from a completely empty office to having people in an office that have to remember how to interact with each other? I mean, I, I, I'm scared to death of that. Like, I got to go back into the office and remember what I used to do every day there. Here in my bedroom, I, you know, can decide whether I'm even going to change out of my pajamas. But, uh, you know, get, getting ready for work seems like this thing I haven't done in a while. Uh, so again, jealous, my friend. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, we saw some of that transition earlier, you know, having been closed down for a while, then we reopened, but we allowed employees to work from home for a while. So you could really see uh, our, our, our faculty and staff at all points on the spectrum, depending on, uh, you know, what had happened in terms of their work environment. And the first time back, whatever length of time that was, whether that was after a week or it was after a month or two or a longer period of time, it really is an adjustment. So I can only imagine, you know, after a, a year, uh, that that adjustment is going to be even more significant. But, you know, I think, you know, I certainly have been. And, and I think all of us are thinking now about what does the post-COVID community college look like? I think that's, yeah. you know, it, it helps orient ourselves, I think, to, you know, what is going to come next when that day comes. Well, John, you know, one of the things I love in being a podcast host is when my guests create the questions for me. 
So since you brought it up, what is the post-COVID community college going to look like? I mean, it's something that you must be strategizing through with your team now and talking yeah. about what happens at the end. I, we don't know when that's going to be. Is it June? Is it July? I read something that was said summer of 2022 before the human uh, uh, herd immunity kicks in. There, I can't even get a straight answer out of anybody yet. But, you know, you must be thinking through how the investments and the changes that you have made up to this point reset what the future is going to look like for your institution. So could you talk a little bit about that and in, in how you are conceptualizing what the future may look like? Yeah, and, and I think you're absolutely right to describe it as, as a reset because uh, while we will go back to something else, I don't think we're going to go back to where we were a year ago. I think there are a lot of these changes in one way or another that are that will persist. And um, you know, I, I guess what really has prompted it for us, uh, we've gone through a period of you know, how do we manage over the next few weeks and how do we manage now, kind of reset the horizon over a few months. I think especially with the, the, the last stimulus package and the funds coming uh, to higher ed institutions like mine, we begin thinking now about how to use those resources to have the most lasting impact. So naturally, we're thinking beyond the horizon of, uh, you know, what do we need to get through this period, through through COVID? What's it going to look like on the other side? And what are those things that are going to persist? I think, you know, there's a, there's a few things that really just rise to the top. First, I think distance education has changed uh, significantly. Obviously, we have to do a lot of that now. In our case, we're uh, split. We have certain certain amount of seated uh, in-person instruction, but we also have a lot of remote options for students. So a little bit, yeah, not quite 50-50, a little bit heavier on the in-person side, but uh, you know, those have all been reduced in terms of the numbers of students in a classroom uh, or a lab. Well, we will eventually go back to perhaps a more normal schedule, but I fully expect that those remote offerings are going to persist uh, at a at a greater rate, we're going to have more of those offerings than we did before. You think uh, that's because students will be demanding some flexibility, or because the institution sees the flexibility, or both? I think it's going to be both. I think uh, one uh, students have uh, gravitated to this, and they have seen you know how it can be beneficial to them. Years ago, uh, we had evening classes and weekend classes for students who were otherwise working. Well, you know we've 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 known for a while that the distance education has kind of replaced that. We still have evening classes. We still have those off uh, schedule offerings, but it's really distance education that has uh, filled that gap. And I think students now who may never have seen themselves as distance ed students uh, do see that uh, there are some advantages. So I, I think one, students are going to demand it. Um, and so we need to meet that need. Secondly, and this has I think been very interesting, we had to pivot to uh, especially in the spring, to nearly entirely uh, uh, remote delivery of instruction. We had a few exceptions that we had to finish out the spring semester that we really couldn't replicate online or in any kind of distant fashion. But for the most part, we had to pivot everything in very short order uh, to remote delivery. And we did that through the summer. And then in the fall, while we have more had more in-person and seated instruction, still had a heavy, heavy component of uh, remote uh, delivery as well. But what's, what happened then is we, we had, as you can imagine, faculty and staff who were you know, all over the spectrum in terms of uh, 
their experience uh, with mm -hmm. remote delivery. We have some who are very uh, pr pretty much teaching all online. So this was not much of a pivot, if anything, for them. We have some who didn't do anything in that space. And it was a very significant change. So I think on the other side of this, I, even in those classes that will come back to being traditional in-person classes, I think it's going to be a heavier element of, uh, you know, the remote option. You know, how do we enhance those classes with uh, some uh, remote aspects of learning that, you know, we have found that would that that it works, it's appropriate, and I think even even the most reticent of faculty members have probably seen this is how it can enhance my class maybe not a hundred percent but i think uh, so i think both from the the students end and from the faculty end uh, we're going to see that that's going to persist and we have to be ready for that you know one of the things that i think about a lot is the the, the responsibility we have as leaders in the space administrators the one thing to keep out of this crisis and this pandemic is this feeling or um, the, the underpinning of a little bit of comfortable, well, maybe uncomfortable disruption. Mm -hmm. And, and how, you know, keeping that, um, that state of mind that, you know, we, that we higher education, this institution, um, East Central College pivoted so quickly uh, amongst um, really a disaster of a pandemic. And now that things are quote unquote going back to some level of normal, let's take that feeling that that uh, initiative that we showed uh, when we had to, and let's put that energy into things because we want to. And what innovation can come out of having that feeling being at the front of center, uh, you know, the front and center for the future. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and I think that the, the, so the different uh, posture you take now, we were before we pivoted out of necessity and we didn't really have uh, time to do anything but that. Let's get this class, let's reopen as soon as we can, even though we're going to be in a remote environment. So, so now the pivot that needs to take place and it's happened already, uh, but how do we do this uh, in the best way possible? In other words, uh, so there's an element now to professional development. It's not just moving a class uh, online or some other distance offering, but how do we, what tools do we provide our faculty and, and our staff? If on, providing who are providing student services how do we do this in the best way possible so that's one thing what else do we need in terms of technology again we pivoted very quickly uh, to remote technology what else do we really need to make that a quality experience and then we recognize that we still struggle with some things that we can't affect um, some things are outside of our control it really brought into high relief the issue of the digital divide I think that's especially true for uh, rural colleges. Um, there's only so much we can do and we and we've increased you know the, the, the bandwidth on campus we've done things with our technical infrastructure I can't do a whole lot about the student who's in a remote area and just doesn't have access to broadband so what do you John let me interrupt you there and just because you, you have a multi site right you have multi you have more than one Right site. Right. Can you give us a sense of scope or a geographical scope? Where you know the three locations? Where are they? How far apart are they? Uh, so we can just get an understanding of of the area that you're servicing. Yeah. So so our our main campus is in Union, Missouri. That's about an hour southwest of St. Louis. Our area is uh, you know on the edges of a metropolitan area. It includes. Uh, 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 
pretty good component in manufacturing, pretty good component in healthcare. We have uh, rural ag settings uh, as and small towns. So that's kind of you know, the, our primary district, our taxing district, and where most of our students come from. About an hour away in Rolla, Missouri, uh, we have uh, a site where uh, we serve students in a university town. So, uh, so we have a partner, uh, in, in Rala, we uh, have programs in nursing and we have our gen ed offerings and, and you know, it's a smaller site, but it's 60 miles away, a little bit over an hour away from, from the main campus. And those are our two primary locations. And we have seen, uh, and then students, you know, coming from a watershed for each of those areas that, you know, that's even broader. So we saw everything from students who have very easy, uh, direct and, uh, more than sufficient access at home to broadband to some who still have to drive somewhere to even uh, you know have access, especially when our facilities were closed. So it's a it's a real challenge for us. So some of those students that were in the rural areas, what do you do with them? I mean, right? You can't help them. Because it's not like you can insert a hotspot in their uh, garage twenty four seven here for every single student. You can advise them, like you know, here here's where you can go to get internet. Was it more about advising them on what to do to stay active? Did you have trouble? Did they slip through the cracks? Was that and and really, this is a you know, call this a triple barreled question. But was this the largest and most significant problem you dealt with? Was students just going, hey, I can't. It was pretty, yeah, it was pretty significant, um, and it was really all of the above. So when we were closed and our facilities were closed, it posed a real challenge because uh, students, uh, if they didn't have access, even other places they might get access normally were also closed. And so in some cases, we tried to uh, provide the ability for students to at least come on our uh, parking lots and access uh, Wi-Fi that way that had limited effect. We uh, quickly provided laptops and hotspots to students who didn't have technology at home. That worked in some cases, but again, even a hotspot doesn't work if you're in an area that just doesn't have that kind of access. So it was a it was a, a significant challenge for us. It changed a bit when we were able to reopen our facilities, and that's where we have put a lot of resources to expand our uh, uh, infrastructure on campus. So while you uh, while it's important that we don't have uh, students congregating, we still need students to spread out, not be on top of each other. As long as you can get uh, that access across our campus, then that's at least a significant improvement. It still requires a student to come to campus, and it's still kind of works against the purposes of uh, delivering instruction and services remotely, but at least it provides an option. So that's one thing that we've done. It really becomes a national public policy issue. I framed it yeah. in terms of rural electrification decades ago. Uh, you, you know, that's we did that in rural areas in terms of power. We need to do that in terms of broadband. And uh, that's where it's, you know, outside of our control, it's just an issue that we know our students are dealing with so we have to provide every means possible if we need to partner with with other entities to perhaps provide facilities uh, in area libraries or something we'll continue to do that uh, but at this point uh, for the student who just doesn't have any other access we need to make sure that at least the experience is available on campus we have plenty of spaces and plenty of uh, uh, plenty of bandwidth to, to handle those students when, when they come to campus and need to work. 
right. So, you know, you've been, you know, reading some of the reports that came out, you know, uh, pandemic reporting. Uh, community colleges generally took the largest hit to enrollment uh, amongst the other uh, sectors, publics or, or privates, whatever. Uh, community colleges really took a big hit. That is most closely related to uh, lower economic populations, people of color, um, not engaging and, and maybe going to work, taking gap years, whatever. Uh, as, you, as you look through that issue uh, and, and now you're reopening, is, is it a disappearance issue now, right? Because you, you, I would imagine you're trying to get all your enrollment back, even those who have disappeared, obviously. Have they disappeared completely and stopped communicating with the university? Is it a is a is it a factor of, of risk tolerance where yeah there's no vaccine that has been widely distributed yet so I'm still not comfortable coming in so I'm just going to sit out for longer. How do you work through that level of problems or and is it all is it a tiered set of problems or, or is it the fact? I mean I guess I'm what I'm truly asking here as I'm fumbling through my question is have students just disappeared completely from your radar? We certainly have had some. In fact. Uh... So this is a typical day, but uh, so this morning met with the cabinet. One of the things we talked about were students who took that off ramp, um, students who uh, maybe in, in the case of a couple of students that we uh, discussed specifically this morning, they were in touch with us, but the, the message was clear. There's just too much going on in my life right now. I just, I need to do other things. I'll come back. And the concern we have is the off ramp is much easier to take than the on-ramp. The student oh, yeah. does have every intention of coming back, but other things are going to happen. And the discussion naturally led to, um, you know, what could we have done? Uh, because by the time the student got in touch with us, that decision is probably made. I'm not sure there was anything we could have said at that point to change the student's mind. And maybe it's not even the best thing for that student right now, but what could we have done before that call was made, before we received that email to maybe keep that student in, in class. I think it points to, among other things, a real challenge that uh, I think every community college, every college president and, and others are struggling with it. And that, that's the mental health of our students. Because um, I, I think that's a contributing factor to this. Um, yeah. uh, you know, so we've had a year of COVID isolation. I mean, when you know that uh, students between 18 and 24, if you just want to look at that traditional population dealing with anxiety and depression and potentially uh, uh, suicidal thoughts. Well, COVID didn't help any of that. It exacerbated that. And the longer it has played out, the worse those issues have become. And so uh, the other thing that I think happens on the other side of this is we recognize that we have to do a better job of supporting those students. It involves making sure we have resources in terms of mental health, and that's not going to go away. I mean, so the other, another element of a post-COVID community college is making sure we do an even better effort of supporting those students, providing the resources around them. For many students, this is the structure and the safe place. Uh, we had that discussion when we talked about uh, uh, reopening and, and, and how much our students many of our students really needed this campus because of all of the chaos that may be going on in their lives elsewhere. This was a place with, uh, with, with structure, with safety, with some predictability. And um, 
you know, I think we need to recognize that and, and understand that even as COVID goes away, those issues actually were already there. They have just been brought into high relief. So we have to be prepared through this to, to um, meet those needs of our students in a much better way than we have to date. If you're experiencing any level of marketing challenge right now, you've got to ask the hard questions and you need answers. Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your future students? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience and future students will respond to? And are you spending more time building reporting than listening in on what your students really want? All of these questions will get answered when you sign up for your free consultation with MDT Marketing. Head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information, and talk to MDT. Don't go it alone. Find the right partner. The guys at MDT, the team in MDT is absolutely amazing. Whether your challenge is the cost of inquiries, your melt, your branding, the bad and incomplete information that come with your inquiries, whatever it is, an audit of your challenges will help your institution and it's free. mdtmarketing.com slash edup. Yeah, you know, that's that's come up in some of the podcast episodes we've done before as we think about, you know, students today um, that it has used their universities, their college and university, community college, but to potentially escape their home life. They'd hang out there all day and yep. do their work and, you know, sending them to whatever situation they were in. I think to the average person that may not be dealing with the, directly with an A education or B uh, even more closely as a community college employee, you know, you don't think about it at scale, but when you think about it at scale, it's truly significant. The, the wear and tear for lack of a better way to say it. Uh, on the minds, hearts and minds of, uh, of, you know, I even say adults, right? There's a lot of adult mm-hmm. students at community college. They're trying to change their situation. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, get an associate degree. In your case at East Central College, you've got a, a number of associate degrees that are designed to put people to work right away as they look to maybe go, go for a higher level degree, a bachelor's degree. Uh, that all was interrupted to some degree. Uh, and, and you think about the economic impact uh, and it's, it's insane. You know, one thing I do know, uh, John, is, and this is my opinion, and I'm sure you agree. Um, so now if you disagree, I've set you up for agreeing, just for the record. The, the value of an associate degree that can turn somebody around, upskilled, and to work is more valuable than ever, in my opinion. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think through this, one thing we've been able to do is likely reach some students who may not have had community colleges on their radar in the past, but because uh, because of COVID and not going away, and maybe this turned out to be the option that was best suited uh, for them, those students now see that value in a way they wouldn't have before. So perhaps, you know, that is, uh, you know, a some level of benefit there that, you know, we wouldn't have experienced any other way. Um, we certainly know that the value, we've, we've, we've known that for a long time, the value of a community college education, the value of an associate degree that can put uh, people into the workforce in healthcare, uh, for example, which I think is probably the most striking example right now, just not just the need, because we have seen the importance of healthcare workers and the heroic work they've done over the past year, but also the, uh, the practical side, uh, because those, in, uh, those, uh, those jobs have been brought 
uh, to the forefront. Students now know what it also means in terms of income and uh, working conditions and the benefits. So it has, I think, prompted a lot of interest in healthcare that maybe wasn't there uh, before as well. And, and, you know, at the same time, and I think it's very important that students are kept in the center of the conversation. I think the other thing that we have to recognize in the, uh, through this and certainly uh, uh, post-COVID is that we are also an employer and the same challenges faced by our students in terms of stress and anxiety are also faced by our faculty and staff. So as an employer, we have to be uh, ready to uh, deal with that. And, and I'm, I don't know that we've done a good job of that. We can certainly do better here. Um, and I think we have to recognize that this has been a year of extraordinary stress for our faculty and staff. They've done tremendous work. Uh, when I use the occasion as we reopen for spring that we're coming up on this uh, one year anniversary in a few weeks and just take a moment to look back and look at everything that has been done and uh you know just remarkable to, yeah absolutely and take stock in that but i think we have to recognize that as proud as we can be about that work it has come at a cost and to recognize as employers that our faculty and staff are really feeling that how do we how do we respond to that i think that's a question uh that's going to be ongoing beyond uh you know covid i think that's just great leadership john because i when you think about it I know, um, just looking, using myself as an example, I've got some staff members, I, I will go back to uh, Christmas Day, and uh, we, we happen to have an intake, we're on a different, uh, we're not on a semester schedule, we're on a monthly intake schedule. And uh, I, I just, ha you know, I'm a workaholic, so I just happen to look on and, here, and here's two of, uh, of the employees on Christmas Day at like 10 o'clock at night, and working through, you know, getting students' schedules done. And, and I'm going, okay, you take that, you add that up. You're not supposed to be working. Um, you know, if, you, if you're, you're off, it's a federal holiday, you take it off. And you think you add that on. How, ma how many employees that I know in my institution, I'm sure you have them, early in the mornings working? working through through whatever lunch they have, working into the evening, working to help other people because that's what we do as educators. And then we forget uh, to take care of ourselves. And, you know, there's, you just sometimes look at people on Zoom and you just wonder if they're gonna flop over in their desk from exhaustion because we're all working so hard to support others and, and self-care is so important. And I think that what you said just resonated with me and I'm sitting here going, you're right. You know, as leaders, we really have to take stock of the people who are servicing our passion, which are students, right? I think that's just well said, and I appreciate you saying it. The flip side of that is, or the, maybe the corollary to that is, at the same time, we have also seen how we can do some of this work differently. So, um, you know, I think it, we, we recognize the stress it's placed on our faculty and staff and figure out how best to deal with that. At this, but we also can see in the same way we saw this in the classroom, maybe the way we've always done some things doesn't have to be the way they, they, they are carried out in the future. In other words, uh, what does it mean in terms yeah. of uh, working from home? Uh, a year ago, two years ago, uh, we would have, you know, probably not even considered some of the positions here as uh, 
work from home options. We really didn't provide that option uh, at all to our employees unless there were some extraordinary circumstances on a short term basis. Well, I think we're as employers, we're going to have to rethink that. And I, I say that in relation to the stress on employees, because I think that also can turn out to be a benefit for some employees who are very, who have found that, you know, they really like the ability to work from home and can figure, have figured out a way to be successful. Um, and uh, efficient, effective, productive. It's not just not being in the office. It is right. that they can do this work in a really quality way. So we have to wrestle with that. I think that's the other, another dimension of this post COVID. How do we, uh, how do we handle that as employers? We have to be prepared for those discussions. They are already happening, but uh, how do we respond to that? Uh, and I just don't think that would have been uh, on our list of uh, things to, to, to work on or to work with, uh, to deal with uh, before COVID. And, and maybe there are some advantages to that. Well, and how can technology enhance yep. the, the work of each individual job? Uh, is there collaborative technologies, whether it's Google Docs or other areas where people can collaborate just as they would in an office within a document that saves time, saves energy. And so you look at everything with a, with a clear, I don't know, it's like, it's like uh, doing a job analysis. You're looking at a job description and you're just wondering if all these things need to exist and how can I create efficiencies? You know, and creating efficiency is, a, I think, a big part of how community colleges are going to thrive in the future. And those efficiencies are based both around staff, uh, staff efficiency and around student efficiency, delivery efficiency of the education. So as you look at, at your landscape and you look at your, um, you know, city to rural balance that you maintain, you know, where are the areas of efficiency that stick out? Pick out one or two. You go, hey, this is something that we noticed at East Central College that we need to change as we move forward. Well, I'll start with something that's pretty prosaic and as sick as we all are, uh, as far as uh, being in Zoom meetings and so on. I think one thing we have recognized is there are a lot of ways to conduct business uh, remotely and collaboratively uh, uh, using technology uh, that will make us more effective, uh, you know, and, and efficient, provide more time for uh, working with uh, you know, our constituencies, our stakeholders, our, our students. I don't know that we're gonna go back to uh, every time we need to talk about something, we're gonna gather around and you know, spend all of the time and the uh, effort of gathering around a table and doing all, we're gonna do some of that and, and we have missed something there. But I, I, I think in terms of uh, whether it's internal meetings, whether it's professional development, whether it's uh, more, uh, you know, the, 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 the networking among our peers and so on. I think we're gonna find that, boy, we spent an awful lot of time, you know, looking through windshields and doing other things that may, maybe we don't have to do that anymore. Um, yeah. So we'll find some point of, point of a balance there. I think in terms of student services, I think we have found that uh, there is, uh, we, we have to be very intentional about the balance of, on the one hand, the work that needs to be done in person. We really need to maintain that relationship and not isolate students, not allow students to become isolated without that high touch experience with which community colleges are really good at. And at the same time, let's not waste their time. Let's not have students traipse to campus if it's something that we can take care of remotely. So let's make that in-person time 
very, very valuable. And, and so let's think through and be intentional about how that work is divided and, and how these services are kind of parsed out between those things that have to take place one-on-one -on -one and those things that have to, or, or can be done with technology and uh, really as effective, if even more effective perhaps than doing it in person. So I think that's another area. How, how do we come out of this uh, with better delivery of those student services that we that, that students really need and depend on. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk to you or ask you about your your stance and you do a, a college stance on the racial injustices and everything that uh, has happened in in the diversity, equity, inclusion area. I, I'm reading a, a statement of yours uh, that's listed online. I, I believe that you wrote. Uh, you know, basically your college's response, and I, this line here sticks out to me, I, I want to read it to you, and you just, you know, take it from there. East Central College is committed to leading in this effort and to living out the values we hold dear. We're committed to education in place of bigotry, intentional action in place of violence, and opportunity in place of injustice. I really think it's incumbent upon uh, institutions like East Central to be uh, leaders in the community in a variety of ways. We live in an area that's frankly, it's, it's not very diverse. Um, we have uh, multiple generations of families who have you know, lived and worked here and uh, you know, have, have really only, you know, the frame of reference is this area. Um, and at the same time, we know that there is a great deal of social injustice that Perhaps we even become blind to it. Um, we, you know, whether it's uh, homelessness, uh, uh, certainly racial injustice, um, uh, real divides uh, in terms of economic opportunity, uh, those exist throughout our country and certainly within our region. And I just think it's important that uh, an institution like East Central be out in the forefront of recognizing those those issues, um, not turning a blind eye or not, not overlooking them in, in an area where we think uh, they don't exist. So one, uh, shining that light, but also being part of a response. I, our first response there is making sure our, our, our students uh, are not just exposed uh, to issues that perhaps they haven't had to deal with before, although that's, that's important, but that our students are armed with the ability to think and to act. I think that's our responsibility, uh, you know, as, as leaders, as educators, we want our students to leave here and be uh, agents for change, frankly, uh, to be able to call out injustice when they see it. I'm really proud of the work that we have done in this area, uh, but it has just scratched the surface. And, um, you know, I often think in, in, in our community, it's, uh, if, if not us, then, then whom? I think it really is inc incumbent upon us as, as leaders and as an institution to be that thought leader, to provide that space for these discussions to take place and to uh, lead in the effort to show how things can be different. If we don't do that, we've really failed. Uh, but I'm, I'm proud of what we've done here as an institution, but we're not going to rest and we're gonna keep going.
Yeah, you know, if Elizabeth was here, she wasn't able to make it today. But if she was, she's so passionate about these issues of, of, of racial injustice. And she, uh, when when you just said that piece about if, if not us, then who? But if she would say, I'm not going to put words in her mouth, but I bet she'll agree with this. She would say that's exactly what got us here anyway. Everybody thinking it was somebody else's responsibility. It's all of our responsibility. And, and us, you know, we all have different ways to get there. Uh, we, we try to do as much of, uh, of that as we can of, of giving voice to others at the EdUp Experience, college presidents who are making a difference, uh, other voices within higher education making a difference. And, and that's what it's all about, a collective effort. And so I applaud your efforts of, of your statement and, and uh, what you're doing at, uh, at East Central College. And, you know, this has been really interesting, John. I, I will tell you, and, I, and I'd like to quote you, um, and I know Elizabeth isn't here, but if I could quote you to Elizabeth saying that I am your uh, preferred host, um, since she's not here, I'd like to just tell her that you absolutely prefer me and, and I am your favorite host on the Edip Experience. But that's, right. you know, yeah. well, 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 I'll take your statement after the episode that I could pass it on to Elizabeth's email. So. <laughs> And that sounds, that's fair to me. All right, good. Uh, we'll, we'll put that, we won't put that on social media. I'll just share it with Liz and, and rub it in just a tad. Okay. But anyway, um, you know, final two questions that we have really for everyone. Number one, uh, John, uh, is there anything that I missed, anything that we didn't talk about, about East Central College that you want to talk about? Anything you have going on, any new degrees you're releasing, anything at all that is news for, for your institution? And number two, what does the future of higher education look like? Well, I think in terms of the, the work that we're doing here, um, I, I think we continue to look. We have all the community colleges now uh, see our role as comprehensive community colleges, perhaps different than than our role was in the past. You know, initially we were, uh, you know, the transfer institutions, then it was transfer and career and technical institutions. Uh, now, you know, we continue to work at the workforce development side. I think you have to have those three legs to the stool to be really comprehensive. And I'm excited about areas that we're working in, in terms of uh, career technical uh, education that may not necessarily always uh, lead to a degree, but will lead to a credential in, in uh, needed uh, uh, areas of our economy, our local economy. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that work on the one hand and, and proud of what we're able to do in terms of uh, preparing students for, for transfer uh, and continuing to look at those opportunities. So I think that's, that's certainly one thing that when I look at the work that we're doing here, I'm very proud of. Uh, I, I think it's also uh, very proud of the work that we're doing. It's, it's, it maybe isn't the most exciting thing on one level, but it's so important. And that is the work that we have been doing in terms of assessment. Now, you know, that immediately sounds like education jargon and, you know, and I understand that. Accreditation but, jargon. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but, but what we're doing is what, what other aspects of the economy have always done and what other businesses have done is looking at your performance and how do you measure it and how can you improve, not just in educational outcomes, but also in just how we operate as an institution. It's a very competitive environment right now for colleges and universities. And if we don't shine that light on ourselves, we're not going to be able to compete. Somebody's going to eat our lunch. So it's really more than jargon, even though it sounds like it. And so I'm proud of the work that we're doing there because uh, I think community colleges maybe have not done as much of that uh, as possible. You know, what does the future look like? I think we have found that we have to, what this past year has shown, if nothing else, that uh, flexibility is going to continue to be 
uh, key. We're going to have to continue to be nimble. Community colleges are known for that. We're going to have to respond very quickly to things. But I think we've also seen that we have that experience. We're able to do it. I don't think there's any challenge that you can send us right now that we would look at and say, well, we can't do that. Because we'll just look at the past year and say, look, if we can do that, You've done it all. We, mm -hmm. we can do anything. So I don't think anything now seems insurmountable. Um, and I think from, a, from my standpoint, I think that's healthy for an institution. Hey, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that episode of the Edup Experience. To learn more about the Edup Experience, please visit our website at www.edupexperience.com com and subscribe to our email list. Please share this podcast, head over to Apple, and please give us a rating and review. We appreciate your feedback. And of course, subscribe to the Edup Experience so you're notified when our episodes drop. Here at the Edup Experience, our goal is to make education your business. Thanks for listening.